Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's happening here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the message. Good morning, Met Church. How are we doing this morning? Three of you are excited to be here. That gets me pumped up. I am glad you're here. If you're watching online, thank you for joining us. Um, I don't know if you know this, but this is the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Are you excited about Thanksgiving? More excited about Thanksgiving than being here. I get it. I get it. I love Thanksgiving also um, for a lot of reasons. One of the reasons is I get to see family. I love my family. Some of the family I get to see on Thanksgiving, guess how many times I'm going to see them all year? One time at Thanksgiving. But we have a large family, which makes me excited because you know each family member has an assigned dish that they're supposed to bring. It's like a massive potluck, and they bring it because we all love the food at Thanksgiving. It's great. Not only do we love the food, but after the food, we love the nap. Right When the turkey kicks in, it's, it's time to snooze. And my granddad, he passed a few things down to me. Um, he passed these ears down, like these are my granddad's ears. He passed his sense of humor to me. But one thing that I pray gets passed down from generation to generation was the ability of my granddad to sleep sitting straight up in a chair. It was amazing. And I hope I get that one day. Lord, I know you're listening. Come on. And so, but he, he would do that. But we love to take naps um, after we eat. And then we love after the naps, we love to watch the Cowboys game together, right? And you're cheering because we're having a good season. But even if we're not having a good season, you can always take your second nap during the third quarter, which is always great as well. Um, and then maybe one of the greatest things about Thanksgiving Day is after the Cowboys game is over, you get to make your way back to the kitchen and eat those leftovers. I don't know what it is about Thanksgiving, um, but the food tastes just as good the second time around. But Thanksgiving gives us an opportunity to think about the things that we're thankful for, right? Usually the message right before Thanksgiving is one of uh, gratitude. Like, what are you grateful for? And some pastors may call it, have an attitude of gratitude. And it got me um, thinking about the word grateful. And there was a guy not too long ago, um, he was an acquaintance of mine, and he was the guy, and you probably know this kind of person, that no matter what room he walked into, no matter what conversation he was having, he always had to say things and come off in a way that made him seem like the smartest person in the room. You know that person? Do you have that person in your life, in your family? If they're sitting next to you, don't raise your hand. It's kind of rude. And so he was texting me one time, and in this text, he was just talking about a lot of things. And then he said something about being grateful, but which, which if you don't know, you're going to learn today. It's spelled G-R-A-T-E-F-U-L. You're full of gratitude, right? But he didn't spell it that way. He spelled it G-R-E-A-T-F-U-L, and he did it on purpose. Like I knew he didn't make him, he did that on purpose. And so me being the man of God, wanting to take the higher road, was just gonna let it go, walk away and not say anything. It's, it's what I wish I could say to you that I did today, um, but I didn't. 
So I don't know if it was my ego, if it was my pride, if, it, if I just felt like I needed to take him down a notch. I don't know what it was, but I decided just to send a simple text. And in this text, I just said, I am grateful too. But I spelled the word correctly in the text. And sure enough, later on when he saw me, he was like, oh man, I didn't know. I didn't know you spelled that way. And I was like, well, you do, you know, that kind of thing. But as I thought about that, it's interesting how God can use someone's mistake to bring you some insight and some thoughts on something. And so from his mistake, I actually came up with the title of my message this morning. And the title of the message is Great Full, meaning full of greatness. Years ago, NASA contacted Dr. George Land and asked him to come up with a specialized test that they could use to test their rocket scientists and their engineers, and they could measure their creativity and how they can solve problems with their creativity. And so they came up with this test and all these engineers and these scientists took this test and it was awesome and NASA loved it, but then it just brought up some other questions. Questions like, where does creativity even come from? Is it something we're born with? Is it something we learn? Is it something that we get over years from our experiences? And so what they decided to do is they decided to give this test to 1,600 four and five-year-olds. And so they got the results and they were very, very surprised. Children who fell in the genius category of imagination was 98%. And so they decided five years later, around the age of 10, to give them the test again, and the same kids were tested. And at this time, only 30% fell into the genius category of imagination. And then five years later, around the age of 15, it dropped to 12%. And then they decided to wait a little bit and then give them the same people the test again when they were adults. And it came back, sadly, to only 2% falling into the genius category. But you and I, if you have friends or maybe even in your own life, when you have kids, you've experienced this as well. When you have a child and they're one, two, and they do something that you think is incredible, you begin to tell your friends, oh my gosh, they did this. I've never seen a two-year-old do this before. My kid must be a genius. And then about five years later, uh, you come back and you're like, okay, maybe they're not a genius, but they're really smart. Then five years later, you come back to your friend. You're like, can you pray for my child? I don't know what's wrong with them. <laughs> Something happens over time that changes who we are and what's inside. And, and what I came up with from the test from NASA is this. What was inside of them was affected by what was around them. There's an author named John Gordon who writes a lot of leadership uh, books. And what he does is he writes these stories with characters. And in these stories, you can learn leadership principles from the, the different characters. And he has a book that's called Coffee Bean. And I love this book. And I read it to my kids. I have an 11-year-old and, and a nine-year-old. And I, I read this to them. And the, the gist of the story is this. There's a high school student. And he goes and he's feeling all of this pressure from, from sports and from making good grades. And then his home life is not good. His parents are not, they're fighting all the time. And so he's just taking all this on and it begins to change who he is. It begins to change his attitude, the way he treats people. And one of his teachers notices this. And so he begins to have this conversation and he tells him all these things going on in his life. And his teacher says, I want you to do something. I want you to go home tonight. I want you to get a boiling pot of water 
And when it starts to boil, I want you to take a carrot, put it inside the water, let it sit there for a few minutes, and then later come back, take the carrot out, come tomorrow and tell me what happens. So the student goes, he comes back the next day. He says, did you do it? He says, yes. He said, what happened to the carrot? He said, it got soft and mushy. He said, okay, I want you to do something else tonight. I want you to do the same thing, boiling pot of water, but instead of the carrot, I want you to take an egg. Take the egg, place it in there, leave it for a little bit, then come back and tell me what happens. Kid comes the next day, he says, did you do it? He said, I did. He goes, what happened to the egg? And he said, it got hard. He's like, okay, just one more thing I want you to do tonight. I want you to go to your house, boiling pot of water, but instead of a carrot, instead of an egg, I want you to take a coffee bean. I want you to place it in the water, let it sit. Tomorrow, come back and tell me what happened. Student comes back and he says, did you do it? He says, I did. He goes, what happened? He said, it's turned into coffee. He goes, exactly. He said, in life, you're gonna feel pressure. Things are gonna come your way that can change who you are. He says, the carrot, when it was in that hot water, it changed into mush, it got soft. It kind of went back into his shell, if you will, as a person. The egg, as it sat in this hot water, it got hard. You can get angry and you can get mad at the things in life that come your way, or you can be like the coffee bean. See, the carrot and the egg let their environment change who they were, but the coffee bean changed its environment. And he said, be a coffee bean. My son and I, as we go to school in the morning, he's a sixth grader. And so as we're driving, we talk about this quite a bit. And I say, Ezra, don't let the world, and he says, affect me. I'm going to affect the world. And then we go, coffee bean. <laughs> but I want him to know that who is in him is going to help him get through anything in this life. Because I believe once you put your faith in Jesus, you enter into a relationship with God. Now let's put that into perspective. The God of the universe who created the heavens and the earth who named the stars and put them into place, who parted the Red Sea, who made the sun stand still. The same God who sent his son to earth to be fully man, fully God, to take on all the wrong that we have done, all the ways that we have turned from God are turning from God and will turn from God. He took that sin, he put it on his shoulders in perfection because Jesus was perfect, went to the cross and was the ultimate sacrifice so that you and I can now have a right relationship with God. Not only that, but when he was in the grave three days later, God came and he raised him from the dead to bring him to sit at the right hand of his father until he comes back to, to get us one day. That same power, that same spirit lives within those of us who decide to put our faith in Jesus. Romans 8, 11 says it this way, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, which means this, you are full of greatness. You are full of the spirit. Nothing in this world is too big, too complicated. Nothing's impossible for you to accomplish and for you to do, not because of you, but because of the God who lives within you. I bet a lot of us today feel a, feel a pressure of life. In a room this size with, with those watching online, there's going to be some of us that today you just feel heavy. You feel like there is a great weight upon your shoulders and that you don't think that you can do anything about it. But I want you to hear 
1 John 4, 4 and what it says. It says, for he who is in you is, say this word with me, greater than he who is in the world. Nothing in this world is bigger, is greater, is impossible for God. And if you have faith in Jesus, that same spirit, that same power is within you, which, mean, which means it's, it's endless possibilities of what God can do through you. And I started to think about what story could, could we talk about this morning um, that kind of shows what the power of God can do through someone. And there's so many in the Bible, but there's somebody that I enjoy that I've been studying that, I don't know, just really impacts my life. And that is David. And I wanna talk about a story that most of us have heard from when we were a little kid, we've heard about this story. And that's the story of David and Goliath. And whether you grew up in church or not, there's a good chance you've heard about David and Goliath. And what's interesting is I was gonna read the whole story and I realized it's really long and I did not wanna lose everyone in this room by me reading a bunch of verses. And so I'm gonna give a shortened version of the story of David and Goliath. And so if you're with me, say, I'm with you. All right, here we go. You had the Philistines, the enemies of God, their army was on the battlefield. Then you had the Israelites. This was God's army, God's chosen people. They were there ready to go to battle. Then all of a sudden, this behemoth of a man walks out. The Bible says that he was nine feet tall. He was ginormous. And he comes out, he starts mocking God. He starts talking about their mamas. He starts, that's loosely translated. I'm sure, I'm sure he did that, right? And he's, do, he's talking, he's like, hey, here's what we're gonna do. Instead of having this big battle, how about you send your best warrior out? Uh, we have our best warrior right here. We're gonna go 1v1. If your guy wins, we're gonna be your servants and we're gonna bow down. If I win, you're gonna be our servants. You'll bow down to us. They're looking around. I mean, it says that the Israelites were terrified, scared. I mean, you can imagine seeing this massive man. Nobody wanted to go against him. I just picture it when you look back and they're looking around to see who their best warrior is. I don't know if you know this, but Saul is the king. And in the Bible, it says that Saul was a head above everyone else. And I'm thinking if their biggest man's coming out, we're gonna send our biggest man. And I can just imagine Saul looking around. He sees no one his height. And he's like, oh gosh, that's me. He doesn't do it. He backs up. Then all of a sudden out of nowhere, this little boy jumps up. I just picture like from a tent. He just, hey, I'm here. And he just says, hey, I'll do it. I'll, I'll face this giant. I'm not scared. And they're like, what are you, why are you even here? Like, go take care of the sheep. Who's watching the sheep? Go do what you're supposed to be doing. He says, no, I can do this. And so after convincing the army and the king, they let him go out there. He goes out, he takes a slingshot. Down goes Fraser, right? We all know that's the shortened version of the story. But what I thought would be cool is if we looked at some principles, if we looked at maybe how the greatness moves and works within David so that we can apply it to our lives. And I want you to hear this. How many of you have heard the story of David Goliath before? Most of us. If you've heard this story a thousand times, I want you to be open to some new truth that God wants to give you today through this story, but also maybe some old truth that you need to hear again today. Okay, so here we go. First thing that the greatness of God can do within you is this, directs the path. So if you're taking notes, write that down. Directs the path. 
The question that, that you have is, why was David there? Why did he pop out from the tent? What was he even doing there? And we see the answer in 1 Samuel 17, 17. It says, one day Jesse, who was David's father, said to David, take this basket of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers and give them 10 cuts of cheese to their captain. Here's the deal. David was not a warrior. He was not there to be a warrior. He wasn't enlisted into the army. He was there because he was delivering bread from his father. He was an Uber Eats. That's what he was doing. Bread and cheese he's taking. But what's really cool is that his path was directed through somebody else. You know, God can do that sometimes. God can use people in your life who are seeking him to direct you into where you need to be going. That's what his father did. His father said, go give some food to your brothers, bring back a report, let me know how they're doing. I don't know if you know this, um, but David at the time was just a shepherd boy. He, he was just out in the field, which when you think about it, why would God use just a shepherd? Why would God use someone who seems so insignificant to do something so great? Even when he was anointed king, do you know where he was when he was anointed king? He was in the middle of the field with, with stinky sheep. He, he was out there and Samuel was sent by God to go find the next king, to anoint the next king. And so Samuel goes, he says, go, go, go meet this guy. And he's got a lot of sons. And so he goes to Jesse and he's, he meets and he's going through the line of all the sons. He's, God's saying, nope, nope, nope. Seven sons he goes through. And Samuel's like, I don't know. You got, you got any more sons? I mean, is there anybody else? Well, I, got, I got this one. He's out in the field. I mean, well, I'll take you to him. I don't know. As soon as he walks out, as soon as Samuel puts his eyes on David, God makes it so clear, that's him. That's the next king. And in the middle of a field of all these sheep, Samuel takes out the anointing oil and anoints David, next king of Israel. I want you to hear this. God doesn't care what job you have. God doesn't care what size house you live in, how big your family is. God doesn't care about any of that stuff. He can use you no matter where you are today. And I love that he did this with David who seemed to be doing something so insignificant because you need to know this about God. You don't have to be in a position of significance for God to use you to do something significant. In a field, watching the sheep, anointed king. Now I can tell you if that was me, if I was a shepherd and God just anointed me the next king, you know what I'm doing? I'm jumping on the fastest horse I can find and I'm headed to my castle. I'm gonna go sit in my throne so everybody can worship me. I'm gonna bring me the food. I wanna make all the decisions. I want everybody to see, right? I'm the new king. You know what David did after he was anointed king? He turned around and he went right back to the field and continued to watch the sheep because that was the path that God had directed him to do at that moment. There's a verse in Psalms that says this, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. When I look at my, my life and I think about when I was in high school and even early college, if you would have asked me what I wanted to do when I grew up, the last thing probably wouldn't even have made my list. I know it wouldn't have, was be a pastor at a church. 
I mean, at that time, I was like, no, thank you. I don't want to mess with people and all their mess. What are you talking about? And, you know, I gave my life to Jesus when I was nine years old, but I kind of just sailed through, right? Like I knew I was saved. Um, I had a moral compass, but I never really dug too deep into my faith. I never grew a lot in my faith. And then when I was in college and one of my best friends moved in with me and he just happened to be a worship leader. He played guitar. And so I had a guitar. I thought guitar was cool. I thought girls liked it, you know, that's why, that's why you play guitar at that age. And he started to teach me a few chords and he taught me a few songs. And the only, so I knew like two or three songs and they were all worship songs. And through that, I started to, to want to know more about what God wants for my life. And so I started digging a little deeper into God's word. I started to grow in my faith. And then the craziest thing happened. God started opening these doors that I didn't even know were there. I had a church call me and ask me if I wanted to come lead worship for their youth group. My first question was, how'd you get my number? And my second question was, uh, well, how many songs do you need? Because I only knew three songs. Guess what he said? Oh, it'd be a three song set. I said, I'm your guy. <laughs> Through that, God gave me more and more opportunities. Uh, he opened more and more doors for me to be involved in, in worship and in ministry and student ministry and me not having a clue at the time what God was doing and where he would put me one day. But all I knew is if I would be faithful and follow God, he would direct my path. He would open doors and thank you, Jesus, he would close doors too. Some of the biggest lessons that I've learned have been through doors slammed into my face and it hurt at the moment. It is painful. I talk about ego shot, I talk about pride. But as I look back, thank, thank you, Jesus, that you slammed those doors because the path that you had me going required me to be said yes sometimes and no a lot of times. And I'm thankful for that. The next thing that the greatness within you can do, the spirit within you, is he does this, it develops for purpose. Develops for purpose. When David was there trying to convince the king and the army for him to go take on Goliath, he, he needed to tell him, that he had something that in his past that maybe could help him. And he said this in 1 Samuel 17, 36, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them since he has defied the armies of the living God. See, he was telling them that he's had some experience taking on large objects. And he told them, hey, you know what? This is not my first rodeo. Um, actually, when I was a shepherd, you know, doing something that a lot of people thought was pretty insignificant, um, actually some things happened in my life and kind of prepared me for this moment right here. I've actually taken on a lion and a bear. Pretty cool, huh? I've, I've done that. Um, and, and so I know I can take on this, this massive man, this giant called Goliath. See, God had, had prepared him for what was next. Think about it. Do you think the first time that uh, David went out on that field with a slingshot was the first time he ever used a slingshot? No, I mean, he was pretty good at it. And I just picture that God was developing something in him, even though it seems so silly and goofy as to just, I can see him in the field when wolves would come and attack the sheep, that he was there practicing, training, getting rid of them. 
not even knowing that God was gonna use something so minute in his life, a skill that probably nobody else cared about, he was gonna use that little something to do something great later on. It was crazy as the king, when God took his hand, King Saul, God took, it says, took his hand off of King Saul, King Saul lost it. Like when you read, you can see that he's probably depressed and he has anxiety and he's just miserable. He hates life. And so all of uh, the king's men, um, Humpty Dumpty didn't fall there, but all the king's men, they decided, hey, we got to get this guy some help. And you know what I think will work for him and make him happy is music therapy. And so they said, I want you to go out into the land and I want you to find the greatest harp player around. And I can't make this stuff up. Do you know who the greatest harp player was around there? David. Why would David be good at the harp? I mean, did he go to the field and the sheep couldn't count themselves to fall asleep? So he had to like play some music to make them sleepy? I don't know. But God developed a skill and a talent at a moment when it seemed useless because God knew he was gonna use it later to put David exactly where he needed to be with the skills that he needed to do what God wanted him to accomplish. This is what it says in Psalm 121, um, sorry, Psalm 57.2. This is David. It says, I cry out to God most high, to who God who will fulfill his purpose for me. God knows what he's doing. Whatever skills, whatever things that you have in your life that maybe you enjoy doing, even though it may seem silly, it may seem like a hobby, I pray that you take it serious and that you do it to your best ability because God can use things like that to do what he wants to do in your life later on. And then the third thing is this, delivers every promise. Delivers every promise. 1 Samuel 17, 49 says, and David put his hand into his bag and took from it a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead and the stone penetrated his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. You know what I love about this part? David never took credit for what he accomplished ever when he was telling the, the army and he was telling the king, trying to sell him on why he should go fight Goliath. And he was talking about the lion and the bear. Can we just be honest, fellas in this room? If you killed the lion and the bear, would you tell some people about it? Wouldn't you have the greatest story? Wouldn't you puff your chest out and be like, a lion? Yeah, no problem. Bear, easy, right? You would tell these, I would be able to tell a great story if I took down a lion and a bear. But listen to what he said when he was even telling them this story, when he could have said anything about what happened because none of them were there. He said this, I, I took out a lion, I took out a bear. The Lord delivered him. And then he told them, you know why I can fight this giant? It's because I know the Lord will deliver me again. David was so aware that his power didn't come from a slingshot. David was so aware that his power didn't come from his fighting skills. David was so aware that his power didn't come from the stones that he picked up to use in his slingshot. David knew without a doubt that the power that he had within him that allowed him to do great things was the mighty power of God. And that same power 
is available for you and for me. This is what it says in Ephesians 3.20. Paul says this. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Now, if you look at these words, you need to know, have you ever made up a word before? Like you just didn't know what to say. So you just like put two words together or you said, me, I'm the only one, really, really? Okay, here's what you need to know. In this verse, Paul made up a word. There was no word that he could think of to describe what he was trying to tell the people about what God could do above and beyond anything we could imagine. And so he's made up this word in the Greek. It's exceedingly abundantly. To me, sounds redundantly, right? It's the same thing. But it was, he wanted to be so passionate about what he was saying to be very clear that whatever our minds and our hearts think and pray that God will do in our lives, what God can actually do is exceedingly above and beyond, abundantly above and beyond, above all, above and beyond. He wanted to be clear about God wanting to do more than you could ever imagine in your life if you allow him to work through you. As I read, read more about David and the whole picture of him, if you don't know, he went and he picked up stones. Do you know how many stones he picked up before he went to battle Goliath? Do you have a guess? Some of you know, five. So it says he picked up five smooth stones and he put them into his shepherd's bag. I like to call it a purse, like a man purse. I just picture a nice leather accessory. So he put these in his man purse and he goes out. And so the fact that he got five, there were people that I was reading that were saying, well, we think that he took five because he doubted that, that one would be enough. And I'm like, man, I think I'm reading the same Bible as these guys. I don't see that in David. I don't see that he ever doubted what God could do. And so we all know how many it took, how many it take to take down Goliath. It was one, which means how many did he have in his mercy still? Four, okay? So I started reading more. And it's so interesting that when you read into 2 Samuel, um, they actually have to take on more of Goliath's family. And it's very exact maybe a coincidence, but very exact at how many family members that David and the Israelites actually killed later on in the story. And do you know how many that was? Four. Now, that may be just me making a stretch here, but here's what I know. I know the promises that God gives us today that he's gonna deliver on, he's gonna deliver on those promises tomorrow too. So when he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, that's not just for a couple of hours. That's not just for the rest until the sun goes down. That's for the rest of your life. So if you're a follower of Jesus. I love the last verse that I wanna to read to you before we leave this morning. And it's the moment where Goliath comes out and David and they're about to meet for the big battle. It's 1 Samuel 17, 48, and it says this. Then it happened. When the Philistine came closer to meet David, that David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. Now, I'm a visual person. I like to, when I read stories, I make up stuff in my mind of what it actually looked like. So I want to paint the picture for you. You have the two 
the two um, armies on each side, right? You have Goliath who comes out. And it's very interesting. If you, I encourage you to go read this story. It's very interesting of the details that are in this about Goliath and the armor that he was wearing. I mean, down to the sizes and everything. And um, he stepped out. This nine-foot giant steps out, and he is covered head to toe with this massive armor. Massive. It talks about his spear and how the head of the spear probably weighed anywhere from 10 to 15 pounds. And he had that bad boy on his back and he steps out towards David. And I just picture him taking his steps. And as he steps, you just hear that armor, right? I just picture the ground shaking because this man was huge and everything kind of shaking with every step. Pretty intimidating. And then I picture David. If you don't know, David, King Saul tried to give him his armor to wear, wear for the battle, but it was, it was too big. He was just a kid. And he said, you know what? I don't need this. And so he just steps out, him and his nurse, and they're ready to go. And he's, I'm just picturing, he's looking at this giant. And in my head, I just see David smile. And not only does he walk to the line, it says he sprints. He runs to the line quickly. Do you know why I believe David ran to the line so quickly to face something that seemed so impossible in his life? Probably something that most of the army thought he was, he was going to die. I believe David sprinted to the line to face the giant because he wanted to see what God was going to do next. So my question for you this morning are you ready to see what God wants to do next in your life? If you're a follower of Jesus, if you have put your faith in what Jesus has done for you, that power is with you. It's inside of you. And guess what it wants to do? It wants to use you to do amazing things in this world, not for your benefit or for your glory, but for the glory of God. He wants to direct your path to where he wants you to go. And as he's directing your path and when you're in certain places, he wants to develop you for what's next. And not only does he want to develop you for what's next, but he wants to show you that he will deliver on every promise he has ever made for you and in your life. Not only today when you're facing the giants that are in front of you, but down the road when you may have to face some of their family. He is preparing you now for what he wants to do in you tomorrow. And it's working in you right now. You don't, you don't have to wait till tonight. Uh, right here where you sit in your chair, as when I stand on this stage, the spirit of God is in me working right now. So the question is, are you willing are you willing to step up to the line and say, God, whatever it is that you want to do in my life, I am ready to follow you. Whatever it is, whatever it looks like, because I know if I were to picture, if I were to paint it, if I were to imagine what I want it to be, it wouldn't even get close to what you actually want for my life. So are you ready? Because God wants to use you to do something amazing. Let's pray. 
God, we're thankful for your message. We're thank your, thankful for your word. We're thankful for the story of David and Goliath. We're thankful for the faith that David had to know that no matter what happens in his life, God, he could accomplish and do anything, not because of his strength, but because of your strength within him. God, we're thankful that that same power that was in David is the same power as believers today that we have within us. God, open our eyes to see the direction that you wanna lead us to. Open our eyes to see the things in our life that you wanna develop, even if they seem so small, because we know you can use anything in us to bring you honor and to bring us glory. And God, we open our eyes so that we may see all the promises that you deliver on every day, not just today, but tomorrow and the rest of our lives. God, use us to do something great and may you receive the honor and the glory. And it's in your name that we pray, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us by visiting metchurch.com so that we can follow up with you this week. We look forward to seeing you next week.